Welcome to Strange Talk. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Area uh, 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're uh, they're, they're going to um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim to be uh, they have infiltrated a lot of. Uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are... But they're not doing. They're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out, so that the the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Discharge. So that phone call you heard that came into a local radio show that was hosted by Art Bell. And if you don't know who Art Bell is, he was basically uh, – he hosted a radio show that talked about paranormal things, talked about demons, talked about aliens, talked about a- anything that this show, Strange Talk Podcast, would talk about and talks about. Um, and on that segment, he was talking about aliens and alien abductions, anything about aliens. And this man called back in 1997 – um, about he was a former employee and the music that you hear that starts up again is because the satellite signal was the transmission and the broadcast was lost and that music that you he- begin to hear it play was basically just the backup that they had to play if they ever lose signal like the live feed signal and so that's why you heard that weird music um after that um so you can believe it's true or not it's really up to you you decide if that's true or not um, but thank you for tuning into this episode of Strange Talk Podcast. Uh, I want to admit to you right away that the audio of this episode is really bad. Um, the software that I 
usually use to record my audio when I have a guest because I do have a guest co-host from my co-host from Talk Nerdy to Me, Ripsaw710. He joined me on this episode, but the software that I used wasn't working and I guess it needed maintenance or something. I really don't know. I needed to update, but it wasn't working for me. So the, I had to find another software and I wasn't able to tweak the levels at the time of the recording because we're pretty much on stick, strict schedules. So we don't really have a lot of time to record. Um, so the time that I did have, I wasn't able to mess with the levels to get my audio the way I like it. And so the audio is really bad. It sounds really loud. Sometimes it sounds really low um, I know Ribsauce's audio sounds perfect and fine, but sometimes his audio can sound really loud as well. So just a fair warning, if it sounds really bad, just go ahead and let me know you couldn't finish it or you, it's just really bad. I will take it down if I get enough requests that it's bad. I will take it down and redo it and come back to it later. If it's bearable, then, you know, fine, whatever. Just go ahead and let me know at either, you can send me a DM on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast, or you can send me an email at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. Uh, so again, sorry for the audio quality. Um, it's usually not like this, um, but shit happens. So uh, let me know, and then on with the show. Like officially, officially? Yes, officially. Alright, uh, cool, yo. So, hello strangers and welcome to the long-awaited alien episode. And I'll be completely honest, I find alien episodes really boring. <laughs> so hopefully you guys don't get bored. So I'm joined by my co-host from, Str- from Talk Nerdy to Me, uh, Ribsauce710 again. What's, What's up, up, everybody? Yes, indeed. What is up? So the, I'm gonna be t- I'm gonna be talking kind of weird because I have an audio delay because I can hear my voice uh, because the program, the software that I usually use to record my audio, is just being really dumb right now, and um, and it's making it's make it's not letting me record my audio, so I have an audio delay in my headset, so I hear my voice. So I'm probably talking kind of weird because I hear my voice play back. So I can get the levels right and everything. Well, it still sounds beautiful. Okay. (laughs) I was actually told it sounded like nails on a chalkboard. And (laughs) I'm a 30-year-old man, but I have the voice of a 12-year-old prepubescent boy. Of a baby Jesus angel. Of a baby Jesus. (laughs) Okay, so the first alien abduction we're going to be talking about happened in in December of 1967. He was a policeman known as Herbert Schemer. Schemer. Schemer or Schemer? So, 22-year-old policeman Herbert Schemer would have a bizarre experience on December 3, 1967. While making his normal patrol rounds in Ashland, Nebraska, he saw what appeared to be red lights atop a large truck. He had checked locations along Highway 6 and just hit the intersection of two highways, 6 and 63. When he saw the red lights, he would get a closer look. As he moved on down Highway 63, he came to a stop and shined his headlights on the red-lighted object. Soon, he realized it was no truck. The red-beaming lights were coming through what Schremer described as portholes. He could clearly see a dish-shaped metallic UFO that was hovering about 8 feet off the ground at a slight tilt. The polished aluminum object had a type of catwalk around its circumference. He could also see what he thought were legs below the object. Then the object 
object began to slowly ascend, making a siren kind of noise and issuing a flame-like display from the underside. Sticking his head out the window, Sergeant Schumer watched the UFO pass nearly overhead. Then suddenly it shot up and out of sight. What do you think? Do you think that really happened, Rib? Oh, no, dude. Because aliens... Uh, I don't know. Aliens are scary to think about, so I don't really like to think about them because I've always been scared of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, when people say they see things, I just take it as that's a figment of their imagination. So, so you're a skeptic is what you're saying? Yeah. Because I'm not saying that there's not aliens or creatures or something out there that are, are like, I, I believe there's something existing, but I don't really think they're over here. Like, at least what people think they are. From what, like, we think they are, you know, like little donut-shaped UFOs with a little dome on top of it, you know, I'm pretty sure they might be, like, almost close to us, or, I don't know, who knows, I I just don't think they're over here in our planet. Oh, okay. That's an interesting take on it. But can you, like, okay... Which, what, what if you were in a situation where you actually saw a alien? Like, you saw a UFO. Like, would you think you were going to die? Or do you think they're going to, like, anal probe you or something? <laughs> I'd definitely protect my anus. But no, nah, it just depends on, like... Like, if I, I guess, like, if it's nighttime and, like, I'm walking and I see, like, a ship coming down, like, I'm going to be fucking scared. I'm going to run and hide and maybe thinking they're going to kill me. <laughs> but like if it's when I'm driving and I see like three lights go by I'm not like gonna sit there and be like those are fucking aliens like some people will ponder and sit there and think like that was a UFO that just flew by like I know it's a UFO you can see the lights were different it was only quick but you know it's a UFO like I'm not like that I'd have to actually see the aliens land at least the ship land and then I'm like then I'll be worried like fuck they're gonna kill me you know what I'd like to think is the theory that actually where the alien thing came from? This is what I like to think. So I picture like somewhere in like the South, maybe there was a guy who was uh, in the closet homosexual. And okay. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with aliens, but all right, go on. <laughs> Because, okay, just bear with me now. So, he wasn't comfortable being who he was, and his father probably found out. And that's where the whole anal probe thing came from. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, go on. Because, why is it that that that's a thing? Why would it, What is so fascinating about our anuses that aliens need to... They're supposedly an advanced race... And they're so advanced compared to us humans, but yet they're fascinated by our buttholes. <laughs> well, that's why like, I just feel like what we think aliens do is just not what they really are. Because it's just someone's imagination going really, really far. And for some reason, that just stuck with everyone. Like, yeah, they stick shit in your ass. <laughs> like... I just, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so anyways, back to uh, Schemer. Schemer sped back to the police station, making a note of the time as 3 a.m. 
This shocked him because he knew he had been on patrol much longer than the 10 minutes the present time indicated. Schumer, Schumer, I want to say it's Schremer. I think it's Schremer. God, I'm terrible with <laughs> Schumer. <laughs> Schremer made the following entry into his logbook. Saw a flying saucer at the junction of Highway 6 and 63. Schremer, uh, Schremer, Schremer, Schremer. <laughs> Screamer, screamer. I think it's spelled S H S C H I R M E R. Screamer, right? Shream? Screamer? I don't fucking know. Just call him S. I don't know. Whatever's easier for you to say. I'll we'll say Screamer. Screamer began to experience some physical problems right after his sighting. He suffered from headaches, felt ill, and had a red welt on his neck. The Condon Commission located at the University of Colorado, and at the time, investigating UFO sightings, heard of Schremer's sighting and requested that he come to Boulder, Colorado. On February 13, 1968, Schremer would undergo regressive hypnosis, administered by psychologist Dr. Leo Sprinkle of the University of Wyoming. The regression sessions would bring out many new details that Schremer had suppressed as he neared the UFO. The engine in his police patroller failed, and his radio went dead. Some type of white object emerged from the UFO and communicated with him telepathically. This object kept Schumer from drawing his firearm. Other facts recalled by the patrolmen were that the beings from the ship were friendly. They powered their UFO through the electric lines and had a base of operation on the planet Venus. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's like a lot to take in right there. He made they're on the planet Venus. So did they? They well, because they spoke to him telepathically. So I imagine they were talking to him. They probably sounded like, "Hello." Let's see, let's see what I mean. How like it could easily just be the figment of his imagination? Because you can't prove someone is telepathically talking to you. There's no way of proving that. That's very true. So like, it's, it's so easy for someone. I'm not saying like this person is crazy or psychotic. But there's, it's so easy for someone who is mentally unstable to just tell you that someone is talking to them in their head. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Like, that's some of the people that are in the mental asylums. Like, that's probably some of their symptoms. Or maybe, just maybe, there's a crazy theory. What if the people that are in the mental asylums are actually ones who truly got abducted, but we just see them as crazy because we rather believe that they weren't abducted than they were? Dun dun dun! <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're in disguise over here. So the condom committee concluded that evaluation of psychological assessment tests, the lack of any evidence. Oh and interviews with the patrolmen left project staff with no confidence that the troopers reported UFO experience was physically real. Psychologist Dr. Sprinkle, however, felt that Schemer believed in the reality of the events he described. When Schumer returned to his duties in Ashland, police chief Walskin resigned, and Schumer was appointed as new chief. But because of ridicule from the citizens and the UFO experience, he was not able to rightfully perform his duties and resigned two months later. Somehow thrown dynamite into his patrol car and his wife left him during this time. 
Looking for relief from his psychological problems, he would undergo more regressive hypnosis in June of 1968. Hyp- hyp- hypnotist Lori G. Williams conducted the sessions, which would reveal many more details of his encounter with the UFO. There would be two books written about his experiences, Gods, Demons, and Space Chariots, and Gods and Devils from Outer Space by Eric Norman. It is very difficult to ascertain ascertain whether or not Shima's experiments was real or imaginary. So that's uh, Robert Shima's alien abduction. I have another I story. You think it's fake? Yeah. Well, not like the story. Like, like I think what he thinks it happens is fake, but like I'm not saying the story you're telling me is a fake story. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't really think aliens abducted him or anything. I don't know. That's just me. I I believe there's no way in hell that we are the only type of species, that humans are the only type and only kind in the, in the universe. The universe is so vast and expansive, there's no way that there can't be anything else in this universe. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I don't believe so much in alien abduction. And maybe it's because I never experienced myself, and I don't think I would ever want to if I did, but I would want some definitive proof. So this next uh, alien abduction is a really well-documented one. It's There's a movie about it, actually, too. But it's... Well, maybe. I think it's called... I don't remember what it's called, but it was... It was like a made-for-TV movie. Oh, okay. I just don't remember the name of it. I think this is the case. I could be wrong. But it's... It's uh, the Betty Anderson case. Just the thought of alien abductions make most of us turn away in confusion and disbelief. However, we must confront this issue, as it is an integral part of the UFO mystery. Though abduction itself may seem unlikely, some abductions fall into the truly bizarre category. One of these cases is the abduction of Betty Anderson that occurred on the night of January 25th, 1967, in the town of South Ashburnham, Massachusetts. This riveting case has become a mainstay of UFO literature. Betty was in her kitchen around 6.30pm on the night of her abduction. The rest of her family, seven children, her mother, and father were in the living room. The lights in the house began to blink, and a red light beamed into the house through the kitchen window. Betty's kids were on edge after the lights blinked, and she ran to quiet them. Startled by the red beam, Betty's father ran to look out of the kitchen window to see where the light was coming from. He was amazed to see five strange creatures heading toward their house in a hopping motion. He was startled to see the creatures... Hopping? (laughs) Yeah, they were hopping. I just picture bunnies for some reason now. Like, Like, I was scared at first until you said hopping. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because, um, obviously you guys don't know, but Ribsauce710 is... Super afraid of aliens. He's always been afraid of aliens since we've been kids. That was like one fear he always had. Because when he would stay the night at my house, he I had a window in my room. And it was like a, a pretty big window. He would always think that aliens would somehow come down and abduct him that way. Dude, I would like have to call my mom in like 2, 3 in the morning to come pick me up. Because I was freaking out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good times. Dude, it's fucking creepy. That, dude, signs. 
oh my god, that movie is scary as fuck. Cause that alien, yeah, whenever he's walking by the alley and looks at you really quick. Yeah, it's, oh. I watched it recently, and it doesn't it doesn't hold up that well. It looks really no, cool. that that it's one really scene is just what scares the crap out of me. The scene that scares me the most is the part when um, Mel Gibson's character has a knife and he he uses it to look underneath the door. The t- and then he goes back again, and then you see the hand come out. That part got me the most. I was like, nope, I'm done. Now they're both scary. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, they were in a hoppy motion. He was startled to see the creature simply walk through the wooden door of the kitchen right into the house. He went, he basically phased through the door. In a moment, the entire family was put into a type of trance. Betty's father would be attended by one of the creatures. Well, another began to have telepathic conversations with Betty. You see a sick kind of pattern. I guess all the aliens in these cases, like, communicate telepathically. That's what I'm saying. It's so easy to say someone's talking to you that way. That's very true. It, it would be very hard to disprove that. Or even prove it, for that matter. But, I mean, whatever. <laughs> and her father both thought one, that one of the creatures was a leader. He was about five feet tall. The other four were approximately a foot shorter. They had very wide eyes, small ears, and noses, set in a pear-shaped head. There were only slits with their, um, where their mouth should have been. They only communicated with their minds. See, but that's just like the description of aliens in general. Look at that, South Park, the aliens they made. Yes. Sounds just like that. Yeah, those are called, I believe, like... UFO terminology among people who are like avid UFO hunters and stuff like that. I believe these types of aliens are called, are known as the Greys. I could be very wrong, but I, I want to say that they're, they're known as Greys because they have gray skin and their heads hair shaped like that. Like, sort of like the, that's why in the South Park episode they're gray because there's like, yeah. <clears throat> the five creatures wore a blue coverall with a wide belt. On their sleeves could be seen a logo of a bird. Three fingers were on their hands, and their feet were shod with boots. They did not actually walk, but floated as they moved along. Betty later would recall that she was not frightened by their presence, but instead felt calm. I had an opportunity to interview Betty and ask her some questions about her bizarre experience. Meanwhile, Betty's mother and children were still in a state of suspended animation. When Betty seemed worried about them, the aliens released her 11-year-old daughter from the trance to assure that her, to assure her that no harm was being done to her family. Soon, Betty was taken by the aliens to a waiting craft, which rested on a hill outside of her home. Betty estimated the craft to be about 20 feet in diameter and a saucer shape. Betty recalls that after she was aboard the UFO outside of her house, the craft took off and joined a mothership. There, she was subjected to a physical examination and the victim of tests by strange equipment. She was given one test which caused her pain, but resulted in being a religious awakening. (laughs) What? Okay. Yeah, she had a religious awakening. Like she found God because aliens. Maybe that's just her. Saying she had a fucking awesome orgasm. Oh God! <laughs> she estimates that she was gone <laughs> for four hours before being brought home by the two aliens. Returning home, 
She ran to see the rest of her family. They were yet in some kind of suspended state. All along, one of the aliens had waited behind with her family. Oh, that's nice of them. Finally, they were released from the bonds of the child. Do you think the other aliens were like, you stay with the family? And the other's like, do I, man, do I have to? <laughs> no touching them. Not this time, I, I Jeff. I hate this duty. <laughs> Though some of the details of her abduction were temporarily lost to her, some things she was able to recall. She seems to be able to recall a lot, though, if you think about it. She was able to tell the diameter of the saucer and everything. God, I just sound like an asshole because I'm just, like, really skeptical about it. Like, see, it's, it's funny because aliens scare the shit out of me, but I just don't believe it. Like, yeah. not the way people describe it, I guess. What if I was to tell you that I was an alien? You're a motherfucking alien? And I was sent to Earth to um, probe your anus, but <laughs> I found well, it. Was- I did it when we were a kid. That's <laughs> why so I woke up with my buddy there. That's <laughs> why so I was scared calling my mom. <laughs> this alien scared me. <laughs> Um, she remembered the power outage, the red beam of light coming into the house, and the aliens coming in. Some eight years after her experience, she answered an ad from researcher Dr. J. Ellen Hennick. He was soliciting for anyone who may have had an alien experience. The letter she sent to Hennick was rejected, however, as being too bizarre to be believed. Two more years would transpire before her story would be investigated. The group of investigators included an electronics engineer and an aerospace engineer and telecommunications specialist, a solar physicist, and a UFO investigator. The results of this analysis were presented in a 528-page review. The review basically stated that Betty and daughter were sane individuals, believing in their experience as presented. The Betty Anderson Luca abduction is a case which still is discussed today by UFO investigators. Although I'm not a UFO investigator, I am discussing it with you at this very moment. <laughs> so technically, that's right. Um, so that actually wasn't the case that had the movie. Um, the people that were involved in the movie, um, they were called Betty and Barney Hill. So that's that's not the same case. Ah, here it is. Betty and Barney Hill. That's the case that I was talking about. But everybody's talked about it. and But this one is the most, I guess, a lot of UFO investigators believe this one to be true. That's only because she gave specific details. You think if if um, if a person's giving specific details, it's not true? No, I'm saying that's probably why they believed her more. Hmm. That, that makes sense. Well, because, I mean, they usually say there's no way... Because if you try to make something off up on the spot, usually they're not going to believe Because, like, the aliens came in and they were wearing Nikes. <laughs> and they had FUBU clothing on. <laughs> For us, by us. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to that clothing, Ben? Is it still around? Oh, my God. I honestly don't know because I never wore them. <laughs> yeah, that's true because we're not allowed to. <laughs> Many early researchers into the mystery of UFOs had distinctive lines of belief. It is in this realm of possibility that someone could see and report a UFO, but it is impossible that the alien beings flying the UFO would interact with humans, and certainly not take them against their will. This line of distinction would forever disappear because of one flagship case of an alien abduction. 
the Betty and Barney Hill encounter. Their journey into the unknown began in New Hampshire in September of 1961 and would forever change the course of UFOlogy. Crazy U- ufology or UFOlogy? Uh, probably the last one, UFOlogy. UFOlogy? Sounds cooler. Anyways, um, another podcast by the name of uh, Kills and Chills, they actually covered this case. Oh, no. Was it Betty? No, it was actually Travis Walton. So, if you want to find a better podcast that has better commentary about the alien abduction of Travis Walton, uh, then go ahead and check their their podcast out because uh, they're a lot funnier than me and Rib. <laughs> yeah, you. I agree. The Hills were an interracial couple. Barney, a 39-year-old black man, worked for the Postal Service, and Betty, a 41-year-old white woman, was a supervisor for the Child Welfare Department. Because of Barney's ulcer problems, the two had embarked on a vacation into Canada. That's kind of a weird, like, description. I don't know why. Oh, I have an ulcer, so let's go to Canada. Maybe to get, like, better healthcare coverage? I don't know. Maybe to get free healthcare? Oh, yeah, that's true, maybe. Don't they get free over there in Canada? Or or something like that? $1,000 just to live there, I think. Sort of like The Simpsons to go to Alaska. (laughs) If I wasn't so afraid of the coldness, I'd be down. I kind of want to go to Canada to see the, like see what it's all about and see if they really say if they're really nice as much as they say they are. Yeah, I'd be down to visit it, but not live there. Let's I'd be go. too cold. Let's just stop recording right now and just go. <clears throat> see you guys later. Behind. <laughs> right, Thank you for joining this episode of Strange Talk. Canada, here we come. Canada. Oh, Canada. Uh, on September 19th, they began their journey back home at about 10 p.m. Barney, who was driving, saw a star which seemed to move erratically. He told Betty about it, and they both kept tabs on it as they drove along. Uh, shit, I just lost my place. <laughs> they were just north of North. Some the aliens. They're yeah, hacking your mind because they don't want you exposing them. That's why. Oh, what are you doing? You can't tell our story. <laughs> they were just north of North Woodstock when Barney noticed that the star was moving in a very unusual manner. When they arrived at Indian Head, they stopped their car and got out to have a better look. Using binoculars, Barney zoomed in what he thought was a star. This was no star. He could make out different colors of lights and see several rows of windows around a flying, flying craft. The object moved closer, and now Barney could actually see people inside the ship. Was this strange flying object being piloted by humans? The next thing the Hills recalled was being frightened by the unusual flying object and the occupants inside of it. Barney scurried back to the car where Betty was waiting. They jumped into the car and raced down the highway, looking for the object. They found that it was now gone. As they drove on, they began to hear a beeping sound. Once, then again. Although they had been driving only a couple of minutes, they were 35 miles down the road. Betty and Barney finally arrived home safely. After seeing the UFO, the rest of the trip home had been uneventful. They were tired from their journey and immediately went to bed. When Betty awoke the next day, she telephoned Janet, her sister, and told her about the strange object they had seen. Janet urged her to call Peace Air Force Base and tell them what she and Barney had seen. After hearing Betty's report, Major Paul W. Henderson told her the UFO was also confirmed by our radar. 
At least the Hills were not seeing things, and they were trying to put the incident behind them. But soon Betty began to have nightmares. In her dreams, she would see her and her husband being physically forced into some type of craft. Before long, two writers heard about the Hills story and, con and contacted them. The Hills, with the aid of the writers, compiled a time chart of the events of September 19th. There could be no doubt that the couple had lost about two hours of time somewhere along the way. As news of the UFO sightings became more commonplace, the Hills were forced to hide, to hide from reporters as much as possible. Because of the missing time element and the desire to know what, if anything, had happened during that time, they decided to contract, sorry, contact the psychiatrist. They decided on Boston psychiatrist and neurologist Dr. Benjamin Simon, well known in his field, who would come to play at an important role in the Hill abduction story. His suggestion for treatment was regressive hypnosis, which would hopefully unlock the memories of the two missing hours of time. His session began with Betty. I bet it did. And soon Marty <laughs> followed. After, nasty. <laughs> after six months of treatment, it was Simon's opinion that the Hills had been abducted and taken aboard an unknown craft. Regressive hypnosis, a, con a controversial treatment, is often used to unlock lost memories. It has been used in a number of alien abduction cases, including the Buff Ledge abduction and the Allagash abductions, which I have no idea what those are. <laughs> They're not that important, I guess. I guess not, because I know. <laughs> Some of the memories that were uncovered from the hills included that their automobile had stalled on the road, the UFO had landed in the middle of the road, and aliens being, alien beings came to their car carrying both Betty and Barney to the UFO. What if they were just trying to help them because their car stalled? Right. They're like, oh, we're just going to fix it. Yeah, they're like, bro, we were just trying to fix it. They have like a tire jack and like tools. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was weapons or something. Yeah, they're like, oh my god. Like she's in her regress and she's like, oh, I remember seeing they had a, a strange equipment. And then it shows like you have like a tire jack. <laughs> a tire iron and shit. <laughs> a spare tire the other one's carrying it yeah I know um, they were subjected um, oh yeah so both Betty and Barney to the UFO they were subjected to various medical and scientific tests before the aliens released them they were hypnotized in order to keep their capture a secret so the aliens apparently hypnotized them during the of intensive course. regression <laughs> I'm sorry. As as such, as is tradition, aliens will hypnotize you. I guess. <laughs> During the intensive regression sessions, the Hills would describe their captors as bald-headed alien beings, about five foot tall, with grayish skin. See more grays, pear-shaped heads, and slanting cat-like eyes. This description very much described what would become known as the grays. See, I told you I was right. Yeah, see? It's just so common, though. Yes. Well, this is basically, that's the mainstay for the image of what aliens look like. This description very much described what would become known as the greys, now a standard description for the small beings with large heads, small mouths, and little or no ears, and hairless. Also, details were released about the actual procedures performed on the hills. Both physical and mental experiments were conducted. Samples were taken of their skin, hair, and nails. Betty and Betty had gynecological testing, and Barney, Barney reluctantly revealed the, that sperm samples were taken from him. 
<laughs> yeah. And this article that I found when I was doing the research, they failed to mention, uh, because I heard from other previous podcasts that have talked about this case, apparently Barney had herpes, and he said... He yeah, apparently he said he didn't have herpes before he was experimented on. So I guess the aliens don't like to clean their medical equipment. And nah, see, see. He cheated on his woman, and then he drugged them both and made a whole story. Oh, yeah. He's That's like, all. He got herpes. He's like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta somehow take care of this. <laughs> he probably went to the doctors <laughs> and was like, well, Barney, I hate to tell you, but uh, you got the herpes. Again? God damn it. Like, again? <laughs> he went to Daddy. <laughs> he's probably he's probably like, wow. I should probably just tell my wife and come clean. I've been cheating on her for years. <laughs> no, you know what's better? I'm gonna make an elaborate alien abduction plan. And that's how I got herpes. Refeeder. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it makes more sense that way. I believe it. Could you imagine though if that? That really did happen. He just made up a lie, and now it's Dude, just, okay. just a lie that kept growing and growing. What did we just envision, or not envision, that you told us? Was it last week about that that poor child that was locked up and oh, genie, the feral dude? Child? Like something that obscene is possible to happen. So you're saying that this thing that happened to them, to both Betty and Barney Hill, really did happen? Because it's so elaborate that it's never happened before, so he was able... To, there's no way you can make this up, because it's so crazy, it's probably true. I don't know. Maybe. No, I don't think it's true, but that's all I was saying. He fucking made up his own plan. He made up his own craziness. Because he didn't want to get caught. Maybe. Could be really well. So I have one final case for you guys of an alien abduction, and that is, what is it? Um, <laughs> what is it? It's uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I was originally gonna do the Travis Walton case, but I feel like it's been done to death. Um, a couple podcasts that I listened to uh, recently talked about him, so I want to talk about one that's probably not really too well known, and it is. I feel huh? like I feel like aliens though if they're they're as advanced as everyone believes they are, and I'm not saying they're not uh-huh. like you really think to them like obviously if they're gonna come study us and all that, you really think they'd be so like open about it. I feel like they would disguise themselves and be super secret to the point you wouldn't even know it's happening because they're that advanced exactly like why would they want to put in our heads a a vision of what they look like and act like as something i think is pretty funny like come on he said that the five aliens were hopping towards him and then phased through the thing like i don't know i just feel if i was an alien and super intelligent and advanced. Uh-huh. And I was gonna over millions of years come and pick stuff from this planet. Like I would just be a be better at it, and no one would know that we'd be doing it because they did it for the so long. Well, maybe the aliens are so smart and so advanced that they realize that hey, 
fuck it. Let it, let them see us because nobody's gonna believe them anyways. They're just gonna think they're crazy. True. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the scrolls and fucking Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, like the scrolls. <laughs> well, because they're all the, the a- <laughs> they're aliens and they're undercover to a point where no one knows they're aliens. Yeah, they look like humans, just like us. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I just feel like, honestly, that's how no, they I'm look. I'm just saying, because that's like a reference that I don't think a lot of the listeners would understand. Oh, uh, shit. Sure. They're probably like. <laughs> Scrolls? What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> he didn't say squirrel right, that's why. Yeah, he would say, uh, well, actually, it's pronounced squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's not an alien abduction, it's actually a UFO that crashed in Aurora, Texas in 1897. It was a really long time ago. <laughs> okay. So, it, the reason why I bring it up is because I could talk about the Roswell crash, which is also another UFO crash that happened in 1947, and it's a pretty well-documented and well-known UFO crash, but I felt like not a lot of people know about the Aurora crash that happened in 1897, and that's because it happened in 1897. <laughs> because of ever-changing railroad lines, Texas highways, it is a miracle that the small town of Aurora, Texas, is still there. And not only that, but it is a legendary historical site as designated by the state of Texas. What would a small farming community get such a distinction? One reason, an alien spacecraft crashed there in 1897. At least that's what the residents say and what the newspaper reports claimed. Although it would be five years or so before the Wright brothers would make the first controlled aircraft flight, This pre-flight era would become known as the Great Airship Period in UFOlogy, whereas many of today's unexplained UFO sightings are assigned to conventional flying craft. That luxury did not exist in 1897. Anything flying that was not a bird, blimp, or a balloon could be extraterrestrial. The early ships were a slow-moving craft, and so was the one that crashed into the Aurora Windmill on April 19th. According to the legend, the craft was destroyed, and the remains of an alien pilot were discovered among the remains. Also found among the scattered debris was a strange material with hieroglyphic-type etching. The alien creature was given a proper burial in the one and only cemetery in town. The alien body has long since disappeared. How convenient. For the time period, news of this event was spread wide and far. Many new visitors made their way to the little town to see what all the gossip was about. Second and third hand stories would soon morph into eyewitness accounts, where the information came from the supplied newspaper accounts is anyone's guess. Local newspapers carried this story. About six o'clock this morning why do I feel like sounded <laughs> <laughs> like the water boy? <laughs> I was trying to do an accent, but never mind, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Oh, uh, my pride. It's about, okay. It was funny. About to, yeah, but it's not funny in a funny mental view. It's, you sound like an idiot, funny. <laughs> about 6 o'clock this morning, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship which has been sailing around the country. It was traveling due north and much nearer the Earth than before. Evidently, some of the missionary machinery was out of order for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually setting towards the earth. That was in the local newspapers. 
Um, UPI, which is um, a newspaper um, in Texas, I guess at the time, also picked up the story, and the legend was spread far beyond the borders of Texas. There were a number of eyewitness accounts of the incidents later published, and they all agreed with the basic facts. An unknown craft had crashed into the town. Strange debris was found, and being not of this world, was found in the wreckage. One intriguing account, although secondhand, came from a 15-year-old girl. Her parents had visited the site and claimed that the alien pilot was a small man. <clears throat> there is also evidence of a military cover-up. Soon after the crash, military personnel came to Aurora. Could they have been responsible for the removal of the alien body? For a time, there was a headstone for the body, but even it has disappeared. All that remains are photographs of the headstone. There have been, at times, lobbying to dig up the alien grave and see what evidence may remain, but townsfolk have kept this from happening. What excitement would run through UFO circles if alien DNA was found there? Maybe it is best to leave the grave alone and let the Aurora mystery remain. And thus ends the story of the 1897 <coughs> UFO crash in Aurora, Texas. So if I have any Texas, <laughs> I have any Texas listeners uh, from Aurora, shout out to you and say what's up. Let me know if you've been to that grave site. Let us know if you saw Alien. Let us know. Let, let us know. So thank you guys for joining us on this short episode of Strange Talk Podcast. It's Alien Abductions, and I'm sorry if I seem like a bit of a cynical asshole because I'm a skeptic about aliens. Although it's very intriguing. I love sci-fi. I love alien movies. I love the alien movies, by the way, from James Cameron. Except for Alien Covenant. I didn't really care too much for that one. Alien Covenant? Yeah. Have you ever seen the alien movies? I've seen them. I just don't know if I've seen them all. Interesting. They're, they're cool. Yeah, Scared me enough. Oh, so. It's going to be pretty hot, man. Oh my god. <laughs> There we go again. <laughs> it always goes back to just. <sighs> I'm a very lonely guy. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I like to thank Ripsaw Seven Ten for joining me on this episode of Strange Talk. Who knows? It may be a, a mainstay thing. It may not. It just depends on Ripsaw's time and availability, and if he cares in particular about the episode we're going into. Well, let's be honest. It just depends on if people care that I'm on this, honestly. That's, that's <laughs> Get them off, it's worse! I know, they're like, it was a lot better when it was just you. <laughs> nah, it'd, it'd probably be, it's probably better with you here because I'm more looser. I'm not so much of a tight butthole. <laughs> oh my god, loose butthole. <laughs> <laughs> loose butthole. If anybody gets that reference, what's up? <laughs> yeah. So, there's going to be a new episode of Talk Nerdy to Me, and there's going to be a new episode of Strange Talk Podcast on Monday. Talk Nerdy to Me is a bi-weekly podcast that I happen to host along with Ripsaw710, which is why he's accompanying me on this episode of Strange Talk. Um, I'm also going to be uploading the episode of... Uh, I'm also going to be uploading the episode from Talk Nerdy to Me into Strange Talk so you guys can get a taste of it and just let me know if you guys like it or not, and, and you know, we'll go from there. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and next episode is going to be a paranormal episode, so maybe Ripsaw710 will join me on that episode, we'll see. But it's going to be spooky. It's going to be spooky indeed. 
It's gonna be a spoopy. <laughs> spoopy. A spoopy. But um, you can follow me at Strange Talk Podcasts on Instagram. If you have a news article, because don't forget, every Wednesday I do This Week in Crime, which is a, a midweek thing that I do where I bring you weird, strange news articles from around the world or good old America. And uh, if you have a news article that you want to send me, you can do so at Strange Talk Podcasts on Instagram or send me an email at Strange Talk Podcasts at Outlook.com. And don't forget to follow Talk Nerdy Mini Podcasts on Instagram as well. So thank you for joining me on this episode of Strange Talk. And as always, stay fucking strange. Laters. <laughs>